the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the mobile app. Got one of those? You can get it free from WFIL.com. Curious with you wherever you go. We're good company, I promise. A lot of sun today, beautiful day, 88 the high, down to 70 tonight with some clouds. Kind of cloudy over the weekend. Might get a shower tomorrow, high again, 88. Sunday, a couple of thunder showers are possibly happening. Sunday's high, 89. Phillies are at Miami at 640 this evening, opening a weekend series up against the Marlins. And speaking of baseball, our famous Friday show today has a couple of really cool things going. Eric Kratz, who caught for the Phillies for a number of seasons and also played for a bunch of other teams in the majors and who currently helps out with their broadcast of their games, is going to be joining us in just a little bit. We'll talk baseball with him. We'll talk faith. We'll talk a lot of other things, too. My kids were catchers in the uh, the Little League system and travel ball and all that. And so I want to pick his brain a little bit about catching. And then following that, we have actor Eamon Joseph. He starred the new film The Royal, which is about former Major League Baseball star Willie Mays Aikens of the Kansas City Royals, one of the teams that Eric Kratz actually played for. And that's in theaters, I believe, starting today and on online, on demand, all that type of stuff. So both those folks will join us. We also have our Now That's Punny segment to cap off the program with. And before I forget, and we'll try to get some other stuff in too, but don't want to forget the $2,000 gas giveaway we're doing, the gas money giveaway. Today's the last day for that. If you haven't entered, you still have time. The keyword we're doing, which is good till 5 o'clock, is the word SWIM, S-W-I-M. All you do is go to WFIL.com, click the $2,000 gas money giveaway banner, and uh, type that keyword in, SWIM. It's good till 5, then it expires. We'll have one more after that, after Dr. Michael Youssef in Leading the Way, right on 5.55. Walt Cooper will give you the final keyword of the contest. It's been a $2,000 a day deal all week long. So uh, I'm rooting for you. Let's put it that way. All right, quick break. Come back. Looking forward to Eric Kratz of the Phillies joining us. And then again, actor Eamon Joseph will join us and we'll have our pun segment to cap things off. It's all happening today on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 407, the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL in Philadelphia. Thank you for tuning in. A lot of contests going on on our website. Just want to make sure you know about that. Not just the $2,000 gas money giveaway. Current keyword again is SWIM. Good till 5 o'clock. But a lot of other prizes. Our Ministry of the Month featuring Dr. Michael Youssef and Leading the Way, his latest two books, and many other things. So check it out, the contest page, 
put that on your to-do list for the weekend. Have fun with that. Speaking of having fun, we're glad to bring on board now Eric Kratz, who is a local guy, went to Christopher Dock in Lansdale. He was drafted by the Pirates, played for many other teams, including the Phillies for several seasons, and now he's part of the broadcast team as well, in addition to many other things. And uh, we're glad to have Eric joining our program. How you doing, Eric? I am great. How are you, Tim? Wonderful. Beautiful day. You out and about doing baseball stuff, or I, I know you do some coaching. I do, I do some coaching in middle school, but I'm currently down in Florida doing some cheering for one of my son's tournaments. So that's what that's that's the baseball that I'm partaking oh, in right now. That's great. What what part of Florida are you in? Uh, Fort Myers. Oh, Although oh. as hot as it is, it could be Fort Misery. <laughs> my son Toby was a catcher in uh, high school, and uh, he actually had an injury a couple years ago. Uh, Somebody ran up and kind of gave him a hug from the side and hurt. uh, It wasn't a concussion, but for the last three years, he's been battling neurological stuff. And we just found a place in Fort Myers, literally, that helps with something called prolotherapy. And um, he was just there uh, last week, in fact, and he has more sessions. He has to fly back and forth over the next year so. Uh, we have that in common, and my son Tim goes uh, teaches at a Christian school in West Palm Beach. So we have some okay. Florida things. You know thing. this area. Yeah, we do. We do. Well, and you know this area, of course, because you went to Christopher Dock in Lansdale, a local guy, and, of course, played yeah. for the Phillies. So it's uh, it's great to hear your voice. And uh, on the catcher thing, for starters, can I throw this at you? Because uh, you played for many years. Uh what goes into being a good catcher, you know, and, and what led you to want to do that in terms of calling a game and all the other stuff that goes with it? Well, the first thing of being a good catcher is you have to actually catch the ball. So if you can't do that, then I wouldn't suggest catching. <laughs> um, no, but it, 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 was, it was actually something that I started to not be good enough to play in the field when I was, uh, let's see, it was probably right around the end of my sophomore year going into my junior year. Okay. I was a, I was a shortstop freshman year, third baseman sophomore year. And then, you know, the writing's on the wall when you're not making good plays and you need a new position and someone else is in your position. So that's how I started catching. Yeah. Um, but all the, all the intricacies of catching, like, I, I, I fell in love with them. I wasn't like, oh, man, I would love to call the pitches. I would love to, you know, all that stuff. But it just, it became something that was, I, I didn't I didn't seek it out, but it's what I ended up really enjoying. And it became, it became something that I don't know how some guys can handle the length of a season standing in the outfield bored out of their mind. <laughs> right, right. Folks, just tune in. We're we'll chat with Eric Kratz for a few minutes today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. And, of course, he played for the Phillies for several seasons and played for a number of teams in the majors. Uh, I'm thinking also, even even when you're really young, uh, sometimes catcher is where you hide someone, so to speak. Just like let them sit there. Cause you, but the truth is it's, it's such an important position because you do have to call the game. Kind of everything really starts with you. And uh, you know, and they do all the technical stuff: blocking pitches in the dirt, throwing you know runners out, backing up first base, mm-hmm. moving fielders around. Would you do even some of that when you were catching, or like kind of shifting fielders around because you knew where the hitters tended to hit? Probably around in the middle of my career, yes. Towards the 
end of my career, you know, they had a lot of, they have a lot of information and we would discuss those things and where the, that positioning was pregame. And, you know, it rarely was it my decision, but okay. there were things that we would, you know, we would discuss when, when you talk about the shifts and all that stuff, just to make sure, Hey, this is where this guy's going to be. How do you guys feel about that? Cause the numbers don't necessarily say definitively, you know, when the numbers say definitively, there's, no real argument. It's like, hey, this is where he should be. He is going to hit the ball there. And they're they're right a lot because that's just the trends that are there. Yeah. If folks are, uh, uh, of course, listening to Phillies games, I know, uh, catch me up on where things are for you. I want to talk a little bit more about your baseball days, playing days. But before I forget, the broadcast side of things were more recent. What is your role and, and how do you fit into the Phillies uh, at this moment and all that? Um, I am currently in the middle of doing 32 different games for on the radio for the Phillies, okay. um, spread out throughout the season. And so I get to work with Scott Fransky, um, probably one of the best play-by-play guys that I've ever listened to. And now I get to work with him, so he yeah. makes it really easy for me. But it's something that's, you know, I'm trying it out. I, I think it's something – I know I really enjoy it, the games I have done. Um, whether or not they enjoy me, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be seen. It's something that – it's me, Kevin Stocker, Michael Bourne, and Chad Durbin are all – we've split up. we split up the games, and everybody has around an equal amount of games, and some home, some away. And we get to, you know – kind of like a tryout kind of like an in-season tryout which is which is fun because it's really it's not just oh let's go in and let's just practice kind of on a fake a fake situation we'll we'll kind of set you up and you go from there no it's you know they they trusted us enough to practice in real games and and it's been fun so far that's great and and just as far as the advance front end of that is it more just people saying, Eric, I think you, you know, you're a smart guy, or you, you, you put things well, or what were you hearing ahead of time that made you think, like, all right, I'm game? I, I think it was something that always intrigued me, but I think when you play, you feel like, oh, well, this intrigues, this is cool. Well, someone else has that job, and you can't just go in and say, oh, well, I'm just going to take that job from somebody. No, it's something that I got. I ended up getting. Fransky was actually one of the first ones to kind of put that put that thought in my head of, "Hey, when you're done, you ever think of being on the radio?" And I said, "Well, I have a face for radio, so that's good." <laughs> Let me get my brain shot out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so it's one of those things that I'm like, "Yeah, I think I would," and I think everybody assumed my career dragged on a lot longer than they thought it would have. Um, but it's something that they, they presented me with this opportunity and chance to basically try out. Yeah. I, I'm like, yeah, sure. It, it, see what, see what happens. I'm, that's I'm super great. juiced about the opportunity. That's great. Well, so folks are listening to the Phillies broadcast, and you certainly can hear Eric throughout the season. Eric Kratz, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today on WFIL in Philadelphia, uh, catcher for many years in the majors. Um, 
you played I'm, – I'm thinking there was a parallel here earlier when Mark Appel made his debut at age 30. You played for how many years in the minors before you got your first shot also? I thought you could maybe relate to that and, and what your thoughts were when you got your first call up. <laughs> well, first of all, seeing Mark Appel do his thing where he was a first overall pick and then, you know, injuries and just kind of priorities – yeah. In his life, you know, got him, got him to, you know, he was out of the game, which is so cool to be back because he really loves the game and he loves, he loves the teammates. He loves his people around him. He is, he's a man of God and he, he really focuses hard on, on those important things. And then baseball became kind of like a, a second hobby for him. Um, but to to wait that long and and make the big leagues really helped me appreciate appreciate when I got up there. I'm not saying other people don't appreciate it, but when you are a big time prospect and then it's like, well, the next inevitable thing is just to get called up. I, I felt like my journey was a a unique journey and even once I got called up at like you said, at thirty it still took me another year and a half, two years, till I was, quote, established, you know, where, where I had more than just a few weeks in the big leagues. And so it was something that, yes, I got called up at 30, but it kind of felt like at 32. Right. And then it, it really, seeing prospects that get called up, I think it's, just like, well, it's inevitable. You know, that's just what they do, what the next thing is. And when it's a guy who has to earn it, like, like Mark did, it, it just feels sweeter. You, you really, you root for a guy like that. And kind of an offshoot question, because I think the first opening day roster you made with the Phillies was 2013. So that's a little different than being yep. called up, right? What's it like knowing I'm in from the, from the get go? <laughs> Well, I don't think I ever felt like I was in from the get-go, but that year definitely was a was a time when I felt as in as I could be. You, you, it's it goes in stages, okay? Like, well, they really like you here, but you have options, so you could get sent down. Uh, they don't really like you here, but you're battling between two guys and you could really earn the position 13 being able to break with the team out of camp is it was something I'll never forget you know an opening day I got I actually have now where it is I don't know but I know it's in my stuff somewhere but I have a ball signed by everybody that started in that game you know it was my first I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd ever go to another opening day and yeah. I'll never forget it. And I, and I always try to remind guys that have been in the big leagues, but never on an opening day to savor that like opening days, even if it's your 10th opening day, yeah. they're awesome. Like, yeah. it, it really is. It, it's a sense of accomplishment no matter because you don't know what the season's going to hold, but it's sure. something that enjoy that day. Yeah. Eric Kratz, kind enough to hang out with us for a few minutes today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Uh, caught in the majors for a number of years, including several seasons with the Phillies. Uh, what you're saying there, and you, you can catch him also broadcasting some of the uh, Phillies games this year. Um, 
as you're speaking there, the Phillies are playing the Marlins uh, starting this evening. And I think it was Cody Ross who was an outfielder with them for a while. I think he played for a few teams. But I talked to him in the locker room a number of years ago. And I remember because he was like a Philly killer. Like his stats were hitting the 400. (laughs) Like it was like, Cody Ross, what are you doing? Every time, no matter what team you play for, you seem to. But uh, I interviewed him once and it wasn't lost on me that he didn't know for sure he'd have a job the next year because it wasn't killing every team, it's just the Phillies and or a couple teams. And that in his baseball experience, he had to keep proving himself to just get another chance, another year or two. Um, and so I think you had a similar experience, right? Because you played for so many teams or were part of a team. Maybe they didn't get to the majors, but you were in the organization. And um, what was – would you have preferred if you could have played for one team or did you – were there benefits to playing for so many teams in all those different places you were? relationships the relationships are the benefit um playing for so many teams but i I would definitely have preferred to just play for one team you know if 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 it was up to me i would have much rather have made my debut with the pirates and then the next year in 11 played for the phillies and retired after my 10 years is up with the phillies yeah Uh, I, i don't i don't think I've played with so many guys that have been in organizations for a long time. And I'm like, you have never seen any other lunchroom, locker room on a consistent basis. Maybe you went there, you know, during a all-star game or something. But for me, I remember thinking, man, it'd be so crazy to like leave some stuff here at the end of the season so that you can, you know, to bring it to spring training, they can send it to you. Yeah. I think, yeah, just just little stuff like that. And mostly, mostly it was would have been for my family. So there's some type of consistency because I enjoyed meeting so many people. I mean, I played with over 700 different people in wow. in the big leagues, and so it's something that is really cool to be able to meet all those people and to interact. And hopefully, it's something that I can use in whatever the next thing I do is sure, but it's something that's, it's great. I've met so many people. Well, and to clarify for listeners, Eric Kratz played for, or was part of the following organizations. If I have this straight in major league level, I mean, you know, in the teams, pirates, the Phillies, the blue Jays, the Royals, Astros, Brewers, Giants, Tampa Bay Rays, New York Yankees, also part of the Red Sox, Mariners, Padres, Angels, and Indians organizations, even if it was just for a short time, technically. Like, am I, I don't feel left anybody out, but that's a lot of places. You, <laughs> so you got them, you got them all, but you didn't, you didn't say that I went back to the Pirates, I went back to the Phillies, and right. I went back to the Blue Jays. <laughs> Man, that's and I went back to the Yankees a couple times. So yeah, there's there's a lot of moving around. Yeah, well, and so the big question in and all of that, I know that you love the Lord and uh, and how your faith came into play. Regarding all of that comes with that, con- you know, all the constant change and even kind of not knowing what's next, if you'll have a season to play, what team for, majors, minors, or all of that. How did how did your faith come into play and, and still does? First, it was filled up by things like baseball chapel, teammates, um, some of the organizations I was part of, and obviously my own personal walk. Um, but there's there's a there's an importance in in what your focus is in life and for me i was i was 
very focused on baseball, but my relationship with the Lord helped me understand that when it ends, because it's going to end, I'm not a baseball player. It's what I do. It's not who I am. Hmm. And there's no, there's no better, no better thing to focus on than, than my relationship and growing that relationship daily, personally, not privately, but personally. And no, no better stage than when you're living with 26 guys every day. Yeah. And it's an interesting um, distinction you just made there. Folks might have kind of missed it, but sometimes people say that my, my, my faith is private uh, versus personal, a you know, personal walk with the Lord, meaning it's one-on-one. Private is often yep. used as a word where people are like, I just kind of want to keep it to myself. And, and with all due yep. respect to wanting to respect other people, obviously you want to be, you know, you want to respect Absolutely. others, but at the same time, it's not a Christianity and walking with the Lord is not private because the scripture talks about it all the time. We want to, there are times he's going to have us open our mouths. It might just be the way we conduct our lives a lot of the time, but, um, so and I'm sure you know that having walked with other believers. Oh, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So totally. And, and Christians sometimes can really ruin Christ for people <laughs> hmm. not trying to, but you know, we're, we're all human. We're all, we're all flawed. And that's, that's the beauty of our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. God's good. Amen. Last question for you, Eric. Uh, well, two, if I could one, one quick ba- back to mm-hmm. baseball one, uh, all my kids caught at one point or another. And one was specifically very, well, a couple of them did a lot of years with it just for fun. Are you, are you taught, as a catcher in general, where whatever levels, uh, defense first and then offense is important, but it's more of a bonus compared to defense because so much starts on the field and managing the game or, or no. Uh, I mean, on the surface, everybody's going to say, you know, if you're, and it's true, if you can't play defense as a catcher, you can't be back there. Yeah. Because the game, the game, like you said, starts and, Ends with how are you, you know, how, how is that ball caught and the game, the game controlled when you swing and miss and strike three and it's not caught. The game just drags on In the next Lily game you go to. <laughs> I've been and to, the catcher. Oh yeah. Doesn't, yeah. Doesn't know, doesn't know his, his right from left. It's going to be a long game. It's getting dark. Maybe we should just call this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, well, if the pitcher does throw a strike, he's not going to catch it. Yeah. So <laughs> you're bringing back memories. We... Yeah, yeah. So you've been there. Yeah, you've been there. But the reality is, you, you got to hit too. I mean, from from a big league standpoint, hitting is important. Yeah, they're not going to just give you the job because. You're good looking. Kind of catch. Oh right. Right. Well, no, you wear a mask. You wear a mask, so there's a reason. Yeah. The other quick thing, uh, yep. all those places you traveled. I was just curious if there was. You were kind of touching on it briefly. Were, were there, was there a stop or two where things were noticeably different in how maybe business was conducted, or whatever, from a professional level, or just, or maybe very relaxed compared to where you had been or whatever that you found refreshing. Uh, no, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I know just off the top of my head, 
the Royals really Dayton Moore really is he's, a, he's another great Christian man in the game who's who's a leader and his his fingerprint on things in the sense of wanting wanting everybody to hear the word wanting everybody to have some type of opportunity to hear about Jesus. Now mm. he's not like, Hey, we're going to trade for you. Jesus loves you. <laughs> right. It's a very lived out thing. He has his Bibles that he hands out in the clubhouse. Not that he's going around and handing them out to people while they're there. He puts them on a chair and he goes about his business and it's, it's a really, really cool thing to see. But it's not just that. They we go to the playoffs. We went to the World Series twice, two years in a row in fourteen and fifteen, and the families fly on the planes to go to the next city in the playoffs. Like wow. that's that's huge. And they don't have to do that, but they do do it. Yeah. And they get they probably will never be thanked enough by some people, but me being in other teams where they don't do that. And that's okay that they don't do it, but to me, there's a reason for success when you think about every part of a player. Spiritual, physical, relational, all that stuff. And they they cover all those bases, and I think that's something that's really – really awesome. Not not to be – not to take anything away from Mr. Montgomery. Sure. Who has since passed away, he like his people skills were unbelievable. Like the best, the best I've ever seen. So you know, there's there's little things that make successful organizations run, and I think it's it all boils down to the relationships of people. Yeah, you know, Eric, when uh, David Montgomery passed away, on that note, we had five segments in the show at that time. Now we have uh, shortness to four, but still the full hour. And we had five different people from all walks of life, from Kelly at the front desk to J.C. Romero called in to uh, Chip Simmons, who used to be an usher, and he wound up doing some chapel work, to Mandy Hausnick from the uh, morning call in Allentown, a reporter, like everybody and their memories of him. And they all said what you just said about his people skills the, and, and how just his gift of remembering your name, being intentional. Uh, I've been a couple of times. We have a daughter who's disabled. Philly's Charities actually had done something for our family at one point, and he came over and talked to me and learned about my daughter, Tori. So there's a, I, I, I concur with you, and, and, and it's interesting also that you mentioned the Royals because our guest coming up uh, in a little bit here is Amon, uh, Eamon Joseph. He's an actor in that new movie, The Royal, about William Mays Aikens. So I don't know if you've seen that film or not. Okay. That's it's I a, have not. No, it's a neat film. It's not. It's uh, it has direct indirect references and some direct references to the Lord, and it doesn't. It has a couple of points of language in it, but it's it's not done in a uh, gratuitous way at all. It's actually a very redemptive film on many levels. So, uh, might be something you want to check very out. Very cool. The, yeah, the Royal, and he's back with and Aikens is back with the Royals now. Uh, you know, he's for a while now helping do hitting instruction, I believe. So, anyway, okay, yeah, and, and, and what was the name of that movie again? The Royal. And it, they, the Royal. yeah, they just I showed it at Cooperstown uh, last week, and 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 Mr. Moore was in the film as far as the uh, someone playing his character. So, gotcha. neat that you brought that up. Uh, last question: How people can pray for you, Eric? Anything on top of top of mind, family or or work or whatever? 
Uh, I mean, family and work. <laughs> the balance, the balance of trying to find the next thing I'm going to do, um, and how that fits into my family time, my family dynamic. Because you know, I played for so long, and it was about me. And I want the rest of the time to be, you know, from now on, to be about my kids and my wife and, and spending time with them while also, you know, being employed. So (laughs) the, the, the desire to work is there for me and trying to figure that out is important. Amen. Amen. That's great. Well, I'll I'll keep that in mind as you come to mind. I'll pray for you about that. And, uh, congratulations on the, on, you know, what God has for you right now with time with your family and, and the chance to do some of the games with the Phillies and the broadcasting side. And, one day at a time. God's good. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tim. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Have a wonderful weekend. All right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Eric Kratz, former Philly, and played for a number of other teams in the major leagues. He also does broadcasting now with the Phillies organization. Went to Christopher Dock in Lansdale. Local guy. And uh, I like talking to players like that, especially who, you know, had to really struggle through. And he... he Worked very hard and uh, with God's blessing was able to accomplish a lot and experience a lot and still interested in wanting to walk with him and serve the Lord. So that's a great thing. Eric Kratz of the Phil's joining us. And as I mentioned, uh, Eamon Joseph, who's an actor and star of the new film, The Royal, which I think comes out today in theaters, about former major leaguer Willie Mays Akins of the Kansas City Royals, who uh, Eric Kratz played for, is going to be joining us. Uh, So that's coming up. And it's kind of neat. There's, I'll give you a little more of a story before we have uh, Eamon join our program. That's coming up in a little bit, too. Uh, also, the keyword in our $2,000 gas money giveaway, it's SWIM. Get to WFIL.com by 5. Enter the keyword SWIM for your chance to win with WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Summertime blues. Summertime blues. Summertime blues. I am 560 WFIL.com on the F. It's sunny. It's warm. It's summertime blues. Mike Love of the Beach Boys, who joined us about three years ago this month to talk about his 12 Sides of Summer album. That's one of the songs you'll find on there. Here's a bit of our conversation with Mike Love of the Beach Boys. You can find this July 29, 2019 on our podcast page. Here we go. Do you remember the first time you heard a Beach Boys song on the radio? Yeah. It was called Surfing, and it came out in the fall of 1961. And there was a, a, a there were like four or five songs played on this radio station. There was a contest. The one that got the most phone-ins would be the record of the next week, and they'd play it regularly you know, every three hours or so. Okay, so my mom was one of eight kids. All the cousins, aunts, and uncles phoned in, and it was we obliterated the opposition. Let me tell you. So surfing became a big hit in in L.A. and also Minneapolis and also Las Vegas. But it was an independent label who declared bankruptcy, so they wouldn't have to pay us. But that liberated us to go to 
capital EMI, which Surf and Safari came and Surf in USA, and I get around and fun, 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 and helped me run in California Girls. Not to say the guy made a mistake, but... <laughs> yeah, well, things have changed a lot over the years, how things get to radio, and what goes first, what goes second, but still, I just yes. think it must have been an amazing thing. Any Any artist who hears their song finally on the radio but rather than, you know... Oh, it's it was exciting. And it still is exciting. Yeah. You know, it still is. I know you got a busy day. Last quick question for you. Um, my, my mom passed away a few years ago, and she loved Harmony. And my mm-hmm. nine-year-old, who's named after her, one day she was singing in the kitchen, and she started singing Harmony. And we didn't teach her. My wife and I looked at each other like, wow, this was like a kiss from God that my daughter is learning to sing Harmony kind of on her own. Uh, and I know Harmony is such a huge piece of, of what, you know, part of what Beach Boys is about and your music. Uh, any thoughts just on Harmony, either how it started for you, why you got so important, it was so important for you? Well, or, the thing is, specifically, my mother and her mom, my grandmother Wilson, um, <clears throat> they loved music so much. My grandmother Wilson would have loved to have been a, <clears throat> a concert pianist, but she, unfortunately, I mean, or fortunately, she had nine children, eight lived to maturity. My mom sang in a trio on radio. I grew up in a house with a grand piano, an organ, and a harp. And when the cousins got together, my cousins, particularly Brian and Carl, uh, I'd get Aunt Audrey or my mom or my sister would sing. We'd sing harmony together. So the element of harmony in the Beach Boys music was a, a born of love, the love of getting together and singing and harmonizing. It had nothing to do with money or career or anything. It was just the love of harmonizing. Wow. And, and so that love of the music and harmonizing is that essential ingredient. I think that transcends boundaries or borders. We just got back from two months in, in Europe, like England and, and the continent. So I, I think that's the secret sauce, if you will. It's, it's, it's what is part of all our... Uh, um, all our efforts in recording is is the love of harmony. Mike Love, Beach Boys, 12 Sides of Summer's a new record. Thanks for taking time, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again. Well, bring that little nine-year-old to one of our shows sometime. I'd okay? like to do that. I'd like to do uh, that. All right. She would love it. I bet. Have a wonderful right. day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that was the tail end of our conversation with Mike Love of the Beach Boys almost three years ago to the day. I think it was the 29th of July, 2019. If you want to get the full podcast, that again, uh, you can go to WFIL.com right in our homepage and you can kind of scroll back in time and it goes pretty quick, even though it's three years back, you can kind of scroll fairly quickly, I think. Uh, so anyhow, we enjoyed having him on the program. It's the second time we actually had him on the previous Christmas. Uh, we had a Christmas album out and we almost were going to go to his show. He had a show in August and for some reason it got postponed and then, you know, COVID happened and then we never got to go. So I would still, it's still on my radar, at least the back burner to see Mike Love in concert. Love the harmonies uh, the, of the Beach Boys, one of the favorite, you know, favorite groups for that sort of thing. Um, and their music overall. So let's shift gears now. I mentioned a special guest uh, joining us. Back in 1980, the Phillies played the Kansas City Royals in the World Series. I was 12, and I remember the Phillies, of course, won that series four games to two. Mike Schmidt, I think, was the MVP that year. And you have Tug McGraw, a lot of other great players, Steve Carlton, Pete Rose, and uh, Larry Boa, many others. And uh, But on the Royals, they had a lot of great players, too, like George Brett. And they had Willie Mays Aikens, who... I think he's the only player ever to hit two home runs in two different World Series games. He did it twice in 1980. 
uh, one of the games the Royals actually lost and one of the games they won. Uh, but then he also fell on hard times, got involved with drugs, and uh, due to a sentencing law at the time, he, the drug he was dealing with was crack, and I think the form of crack that he was dealing or working with, it wasn't even, I think he, sold, he was trying to sell something to an undercover cop, as it turned out. Uh, he, he got a life sentence, like it was 24 years or something, not life, but it was whatever it is, 24 years instead of if it had been powder, it would have been two years or three years or something. Anyway, so part of the theme of the film deals with sentencing laws, but there's a lot more in this film. Uh, certainly references to the Lord, but also forgiveness, humility, and many other things. And the star of this film, The Royal, about uh, Willie Mays Aikens, it's a true story, which is in theaters today, I believe it is, and also there are other ways to get it, is uh, actor Eamon Joseph. Uh, Eamon Joseph on the program. Hey, man. How you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for taking time to chat today. Thank you for having me. For sure. Uh, Thank you for having me. The Royal is one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Whoa, look at you giving out compliments early. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I, I mean, it tackles so much in 90 minutes and without, make it, without making it done in a way that seems like you're just trying to tackle a bunch of things. It just flows really well and a lot of important themes in the film. Uh, so I just want to make sure I said that to you before we got going. So. How did you, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. What what drew you to want to be part of the royal in the first place? How did that process come about for you? It was a story. I, I, I'm attracted as an actor to to telling the stories of our time, and usually the stories of our time aren't the ones that we've already seen the big headlines for, or or, or you know, yeah. no disrespect to you know, Hank Aaron or Roberto Clemente or, you know, like some of the huge giants of the sport, Babe Ruth. And to me, when I look at baseball and then I look at humanity, I want to see someone that has gone through the ringer of life. And and I want to see redemption. I want to see someone that, had it all and lost it and then regain it again. Yeah. You know, um, I want to see that type of story. So that's what kind of attracted me to this particular story. The Royal is because here was this baseball player that, you know, in one instance in 1980, he's won. Um, I mean, he didn't win, but he, he was in the world series Sure, and he hit two back-to-back home runs as bad as in Cooperstown. Yeah. And then a few years later, He's selling crack cocaine to an undercover police officer and getting 24 years mandatory minimum drug sentence, the largest sentence ever awarded to a to a to a major league to a you know to a professional athlete. Right. You know, he does he does 14 of those. He misses out on you know raising his daughter. He's estranged from his wife. He's a pariah to the organization and to the city. And then he finds a way to to make good on that. Yeah. By the way, that, that uh, World Series, he hit those two home runs in two different games, was against the Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies. You know, got the Philly connection going here. <laughs> big, big time. Yeah. You, you guys won, you guys won that, that World Series. I was at that game with my dad and the nosebleeds in right field as a 12-year-old. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, game six. Tug McGraw's arms up wow. in the air. And so let me ask you this about the film. 
just on a big big level, what do you have a, a hope, a main hope for those who view the royal, what they will come away with? Because there really are a lot of different things someone could come away from the film with. Yeah, the the biggest thing that I that connects to me, I'm fine for people interpreting the film yeah. how they do because I do feel like we've put a, a lot of different um, impactful messages in the film. Right, but the biggest one for me is that no matter what happens in the relationship with your with your children as a parent, you can always put the effort to be in their lives. That you can always choose every day to be a parent. When Willie was locked up for, for, for 14 years, it was easy to see the barrier, to see the thing that was the issue. It was it was his lack of being able to be in in his his children's life because of being behind bars. But once he was released from prison, then it became the emotional bars that were on his children because of him being estranged for that long and for them feeling um that their dad was a was a former a ex-crackhead, a, a pariah to society, someone that had let them down, someone that wasn't there for them in the, the impactful times in their lives. And we, you know, for me, we get a lot of big action films and espionage and horror, and but oftentimes we don't deal with some of the uh, the foundational things that make our lives, the things, the emotional things that that means stuff to families all around the country. Um, so to me, that's the main thing for me is, is that you can always be a parent. You can always be a father, no matter what that relationship is, you can fight for that relationship to be in your children's lives. You know, the themes that are in there all, all in and around certainly humility, second chances, uh, injustices of mandatory sentencing, the concept of optics, um, there's comedy in the film as well, so in the Royal. So for folks just tuning in, want you to be aware of that. The multi-layers in there. The liquor store scene for me is one of the best scenes, even though it's not long. I've seen it in a long, long time. I don't want to give it away, but you can say anything about that you want or don't want. Let folks watch it. What did that scene mean to you in particular? Well, that's the manifestation of, of temptation in, it, in, in its truest form, you know? Um when you decide to live your life straight and go on the straight, you're still going to deal with the obstacle. Life is still going to ebb and flow and you're going to have temptation. You're going to have temptation to go back and fall into the habits of old. You know, one of the big, biggest things for, for um, Willie when he was released from prison is that it would have been, you know, it's not like he didn't have the same, urges to to be an alcoholic to be a drug abuser to be a womanizer that still was there yeah but he had to make have a concerted effort day by day moment by moment to choose not to because he knew what was at stake and that was more important he made a choice you know yeah. so that you know that scene that you're talking about represents that it represents being in the I, you know, being being in the fire um, and making a choice 
Um, and you can only make that choice when you when you've set forth. You know what your purpose is, and I, I feel like no one represents that more than Willie this day and age, this day and age of you know the way the way way he works with other um, young athletes now for the for the uh, development sure. um, organization sure. with the with you know with the Kansas City Royals. This is you know that's what he's given his life to. You know, so he had to he had to put these things around him that gave him no choice to relapse, no choice to be the former man that he was. That was about himself. That was selfish, self-centered. Um, you know, Willie often mentions that going to prison was the best thing that ever happened to him. And you know, most people don't say that unless they realize he realized that he would have probably ended up dead, overdosing somewhere if he didn't get if 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 he wasn't down and sat down long enough to rethink his life, rededicate his life to God, rededicate his life to his family and his community. That's it. That's it. I'm in Joseph. Thank you so much for taking time with us today. Congratulations on the great work in the Royal and uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. You too now. Thank you. All right. Actor Eamon Joseph on the Tim DeMoss show. Quick break. New film is called The Royal. Now that's funny. Up next, WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. This music can mean only one thing. Time for Now That's Funny. How you doing, Doug? Good. How about you? Wonderful. Cool. T- time for Now That's Funny. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. So, Doug, do you ever think about the fact that steak puns on the radio are a rare medium well done. <laughs> Especially if you listen to this segment. I mean, I can't vouch for all pun segments being well done. <clears throat> That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, meat, what lunch meat is made from a pig's shin? Lunch meat made from souse. No. No? Bologna. Oh, come on. Bologna. <laughs> Cute. By the way, have you said hi to your knee lately? <laughs> no. Go ahead, I'll wait. Hi, knee. Yes, I got him! Woo! <laughs> Even my wife does that. The <laughs> 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 maturity level of this show. It's going right down the drain. To everyone who wants to keep making jokes about scissors, cut it out! <laughs> My, it's my favorite. Stooges are my favorite, and my kid's favorite is the baby crying, if you can work that in. It's a special long-distance dedication. Okay. To the person who stole my glasses, despite what you think, I will find you. I have contacts. Perfect. See? And appropriate. Yes. Doug, what do you call a pun created at your house? Uh, pun house. That's not bad. Homegrown. Homegrown. Yeah. Mm. My kids, you know, they groan a lot when I say the puns. I'm Occasionally, have a, yeah, keep searching. There, Moose. Had to work Moose in the. Yep. And Jack and Russell, your dogs. That's right. Uh, my chiropractor, I don't know if I told you this, he is a very funny guy. He's the funniest guy around. He's got your back. Every, well, and every visit I go, he cracks me up. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, Doug, Doug, Doug. I'll give you that one. And thank you very much. Here's a question, kind of a deeper, serious thing. How much money do you need in your pocket to stop a bullet? I don't know. Thickness of a wallet, I guess. Your life savings. 
Sorry. You can think about that. That deserved better than a cricket. <laughs> that was actually really kind of like a... It elevated the maturity of the show briefly. I'll, I'll be it briefly. Stand by. Okay. Polite golf clap. All right, That's fine. Last one for the week, because we're running out of time. Yep. This is important. What do you call Batman after he's been in a fight with the Joker? I don't know, Tim. Why? Bruised Wayne. Bruised Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, as a bonus joke, I got a Nintendo Wii for my brother. Best trade ever. Just kidding. I love all my brothers. (laughs) It's just dawning on you. Hey, Doug, have a fine weekend. You do the same, Tim. Thank you for your help each and every week. That's what I'm here for. There's going to be a little something extra in your paycheck, I'm sure. I doubt that, but that's okay. I'll live without that. It's funny. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.